Would I say Phil was the one who got away? Mm, no. But he was a sweet guy. A good listener. I had to train him about most things. I'll get into that, don't worry. But he was a quick study. And he was always grateful. We met when I was a sophomore in a religious studies seminar. It was a small class, and a lot of the boys were so God-fearing, they wouldn't look me in the eye. They just stared at their desks when I raised my hands to speak. Not Phil. The very, very tall boy I noted from the first day of class smiled respectfully when women spoke. In fact, Phil literally took notes. After our second class about the concept of forgiveness and redemption, Phil made sure to leave class at the same time as me. He moved like my family's great Dane, toppling around on giant legs with a friendly bobbing head, still wearing his high school letterman jacket. I was more of a garden cat with men based on my past experiences wary, but still curious about what they might give me. I liked what you said about redemption in other religions outside the West, he said. It was nice to hear that perspective. I'm Phil. He stuck out his huge hand, and I smiled inwardly. I was seen as stuck up in my hometown, and boys didn't quite like me at UND either. And yet... This moment, this was always how I'd imagined college would be. Handsome boys and autumnal layers trailing me around the quad, ceding to my brilliance while I pushed my cat eye glasses up the bridge of my nose. It's a shame that religious education at UND, heck everywhere, is so one-sided, Phil continued. Of course it's one-sided. That's to be expected from an American public school. I said, as Phil and I walked across campus that warm September. There were always eyes on him in Grand Forks. By proxy, now there were eyes on me. But that's where we have to take our education into our own hands. The library here has so many books about Eastern religion, the native people, even guides on how to practice small meditations on our own. We can fill in the blanks. I'm a freshman, he said. I honestly haven't been to the library yet. Can you show me? It was on that afternoon, and many that followed, that I introduced Phil Jackson to the texts and theories that became the cornerstone of his coaching. Growing up, we had both been self-educators that used combinations of interlibrary loan and town elders to make our own spiritual curriculum. Now we swapped. He taught me about Native American rights, like unity circles and traditions around nature, and I focused on the East. The concepts I was most passionate about, deep breathing, yoga, and most important, eliminating the ego, I would read aloud to him at the Fritz Library under the glow of a Tiffany desk lamp. Other times, I'd give him homework assignments. I'd ask him to read Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind, for example, and ask him to call me the next evening on my dormitory's phone with a summary. 26 hours later, he'd have read the entire book and be thirsty for more. I founded a meditation club at UND, of which Phil and I were the only regular members. 
And believe me, it's pretty hard to form a unity circle with just two people. I ran meetings, added books to the library, and reached out to speakers to lecture to our tiny audiences. New members would float in and out of our Tuesday and Thursday meetings held in a dark library study room, but they would shift on their twill cushion uncomfortably and typically not return. The usual meeting format was, Phil or I would pick a passage to sit with, we would meditate on it for a half hour, journal, and continue our separate days. One day that winter, we started a meeting with a few business items. A guest lecturer was coming to speak about Dharma. Where would we hang up flyers? Could we even call this a club if Phil and I were the only members? Who got to pick their reading today? Who did it last time? Phil, however, veered the conversation sharply. I want to give you an orgasm, he said, totally self-serious and humorless. I blinked. Instinctively, I looked to the door of the study room. It was closed, but not locked. I've never had that happen with a girl before, he said. I want to hear what your voice sounds like, and I want to know what your body feels like when you come. I squirmed in my seat, wet immediately, but also uncomfortable with directness for the first time. Of course I thought about Phil that way, but I wasn't like the other girls I'd seen him holding hands with around campus. Phil usually went for quintessential homemakers in training, still stuck in the 1950s. I define myself in opposition to that. Still do. Plus, you really want to complicate this? I asked him. It's never been uncomplicated, he said, and leaned over from his cushion on the floor to kiss me hard. Despite myself, I melted and kissed him back. With this encouragement, he nibbled my lips, kissed my jawline, and dotted his tongue inside my ear. He nuzzled my neck and pulled back to stare at me. Was he analyzing me or stalling? We were both straddling my meditation cushion at that point, and Phil told me to lay down. With all my winter clothes on, prickly sweater and boots and all, he pulled down my hose and stuck his head up under my long wool skirt. He inhaled me and probably said something simple like, mmm. He pinched and grasped my ass for a while through my thin cotton underwear and then began to lick me through them. He investigated me through my clothing for what felt like a half hour. Even I, a burgeoning Zen scholar, was finding it hard to stay present. Phil, you use directness, I reminded myself. You need to take it off. I know, Joanna, he said, palpably annoyed. It's foreplay. With that, Phil tugged down my panties and stuck his face in. His tongue pushed up inside me, hard and rigid, and he dragged it up and down and back and forth. I remembered what he told me he wanted, to hear a woman moan, to feel her body tighten, and performed for him. Phil, I said, that feels so good. Fuck. He left from between my thighs and raised his eyebrows at me, surprised at my use of profanity. Then he went back in, using those same rough, long strokes. Like that, I said, but other patterns too. Go everywhere. It doesn't have to be a triangle. It's okay. 
Phil has always been a quick study. As he took my ideas, my books, and the style of rolled cuff dark denim that I wore, Phil took my oral sex advice. He abandoned his triangle offense and explored my inner labia, my ass crack, and drew diagrams all over with his tongue. The pressure level felt fine, but a long while of this, I feared, could become tedious again. Use your fingers? Phil's extremely long pointer and middle fingers entered the mix, dodging in and out of me and taking turns with his tongue. At one point, he found my clit, and I pulled his oily brown hair approvingly. Phil, ever my student, then sucked on it directly. After five or six minutes, my vision began to blur on both sides. I lost focus. I felt tight and sensitive all over my body. Phil, I said, I'm about to come. Good, he said. Don't hold back. I let myself go. I exhaled big. Oh, Phil. And Phil lapped up everything that came out of me, first with his tongue and then tracing me up and down with his fingers as I shuddered. He propped himself up beside me on the cushion, kissed me, and watched me, smiling. I pulled up my underwear. I didn't like feeling this vulnerable with him. It felt unearned. I gave so much of myself to Phil all the time. By giving this to me, what did he share about himself? His silence asked for compliments. That was really good, I said. It was your first time too, yeah? How to respond to that? Well, no. Phil's body reacted first, sitting up straight. Then his mouth caught up. With who? I don't think I have to tell you that. I don't pry into your sex, past or present. I live in the moment with you. Why not live in the moment with me? Phil listened and nodded. I think he understood. Or did he? The meditation club was never the same after that. Phil invited his other friends, members of the basketball team, to join too. While I appreciated the boon in membership, their investment didn't seem to be coming from a place of spiritual curiosity, more good luck rituals before big weekends. Our meetings, which were once shelter in the bleak Dakota winter, now we're boisterous and unintimate and unsacred, just like the rest of my college education. When Tom Triple, the beat Dharma lecturer I'd worked so hard to bring to town, the one I'd told Phil about came, he ended up being a bigot. He wouldn't look me in the eye, like the boys in my classes. And when I waited for Phil to show him a more righteous or empathetic way, like say, hey, Joanna's the scholar who brought you here, Phil just took my note cards to the podium and introduced Tom himself, taking credit for my work. That tipple incident, to me, that was the true end of the meditation club. But really, I knew this would happen all along. I expect it of men. Phil, disappointingly, but not unexpectedly, was the same as the rest of them. That's why I didn't let him fuck me and why I never gave him the upper hand. The goings-on of the meditation club 
were all part of Phil's philosophical education. And they were also part of mine.